Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. All right, good morning. Uh, so good to be with you guys uh, again. And we are continuing our series uh, called Living in Exile. Uh, these are lessons from James. And this is uh, this time, this week, we're talking about chapter three, where uh, James talks about taming the tongue. And I'm going to take a quick break. Ruben, can you plug the HDMI cable into that TV again? That one, into the side one. There you go. Perfect. Thank you so much. All right. So we're going to continue this series. When I was younger, I used to love the space shuttle. Let's see, is the space shuttle going to show up here? Yes, there it is. Uh, and one summer, when I uh, and my brother John were spending a couple weeks in Florida with my grandma and grandpa Morris, uh, after one day we went to Bush Gardens. I don't know if Bush Gardens still exists down there, but that uh, used to be a big thing. And then after that, we went to Cape Canaveral. And this was an incredible trip. We went uh, to... Uh, we got there and we took a bus and they kind of took us around to a couple different things. And the coolest thing that I saw was the hangar where, um, the, hangar where the space shuttle uh, is stored, right? And it's this huge, massive hangar. And there's this crazy vehicle. It's like, I don't know, it's like out of Star Wars or something. This massive four-tracked thing that they put the space shuttle on in the, in the track this, it moves at one mile per hour from the hangar to the, the launch pad. That's so cool. Awesome. The, the space shuttle is, a, is amazing. And I remember watching videos right, of, this, of the space shuttle taking off. And here's a, a picture. We see that the smoke and the, uh, the, the, the fire launching this shuttle. And the, the shuttle empty weighs 165,000 pounds. And when fully loaded, it weighs over 200,000 pounds. And so these solid rocket boosters launch this incredibly huge vehicle into the atmosphere and ultimately into space, right? It's amazing. And I think that if, if James knew about the, the space shuttle in, in his day, maybe he would have used the incredible power of a spaceship or, or these solid rocket boosters to talk about the power of our own tongue. So as we're going to see in, in, a, in a minute, our, our tongues are very, very powerful. They have the power to help. They have the power to heal, the power to, to hinder or hurt or harm or to honor. Our tongues have the ability to lift people up or the ability to crush them. And I have known in, in my own life, my own reckless words have hurt others that I love deeply, that I respect. And these flippant words that tumble out of my mouth in a few seconds sometimes have taken years to bring healing and trust and restoration. And yet I'm so quick to continue babbling on. I don't know, some of you guys 
know that my wife and I do a, a, a podcast. It's just a fun thing that, that we like to, to do together. But we always edit it before we send it out into the world because sometimes we say stuff just trying to make a joke or something like it just comes out badly or it's foolish or whatever. It might hurt somebody's feelings, right? But it's like, man, I'm not going to, to send something out into the world, right, that has that without editing. But in real life, we don't have the luxury of going back and editing our words. We need to be aware of what we're saying in the moment all the time. And so today what we're going to do is just gonna, we're going to read through um, James's uh, talk here at chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, the text for today about the tongue. And we're going to look at how words are powerful. We're going to look at how our words affect ourselves and how our words affect others. So that's where we're going today. So turn with me, if you will, to James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. James says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways, but anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. All they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. All right, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. Father God, I just invite you into this time right now. Lord, and I pray that you would just help me to communicate your word in a, in a helpful way. Lord, prepare our hearts to be transformed by you. Lord, help me to, to speak clearly, but most of all, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would do a work in our hearts to make us more like you. Our words have the power to shape our reality. They are incredibly powerful. We see at the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis, it says this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and God was hovering over the waters, right? We, we can imagine this chaotic maelstrom, this primordial reality where it's just God and he is hovering over these chaos waters. And what does he do? The word of God is powerful and it transforms everything that is. He speaks into being that which was not existent. God speaks it. And so through the rest of Genesis chapter 1, it says, and God said, and it was so. And God said, and it was so. The word of God is powerful. It is creative. Right? And, and we don't have the exact same power, right? We don't have like a, a 3D printer in our mouth where we speak something out, right? If, if we did, I would speak out fishing boats and there would be a nice fishing boat in, in my yard. I don't have, have that, but I do try to speak positively. The Lord will one day give me a fishing boat. Uh, but we'll see what, what happens there. Right? Our, our words are powerful, maybe not creating physical reality, but creating our spiritual reality, creating culture, creating our, our own uh, worldview. Because we are created in God's image, and we have creative power in words. Words just are creative. And the enemy would love it if we would use our words carelessly. He wants us to, to bring into our world, into our sphere of, of influence, characteristics of the kingdom of darkness. He wants us to bring anger and rage and hatred and slander. He wants us to bring division and lust and pride and selfishness. All of these things right, are of the, the enemy, and he wants us to bring those into our conversations and into our worlds, and we do that through the use of our words. And all of these things tear apart community. They bring division and brokenness, and ultimately they lead to death. But we are to walk in the way of Jesus. We are to usher in the kingdom of light, and one of the biggest ways we can do that is through the power of of our words. And so what we'll see is that our words actually shape our own lives. What we say and what we do shape our lives. So a lot of action at the back of the church. It's making me uncomfortable. So we're, everything's good. Two thumbs up. So our words shape our lives. Uh, James says the tongue sets the whole course of one's life on fire. Right? Fire is this incredibly powerful force, and, and James uses the example, right? A little spark sets an entire forest on fire. And we see, you know, like in the, the spaceship, fire uh, controlled and directed can launch people off into, that, into space, right? To the moon, maybe to Mars someday, who knows, right? Into all this vast galaxy. But we also know that fire can be contained and controlled to make bombs that destroy towns and, and cities and countries. 
I saw just this, this last week that an arsonist in Mississippi uh, uh, set a, a church there on fire. Terrible. Fire is destructive, but we also know, right, that sitting around a fire is beautiful, right? I, I read a study in this, this week that, that said the longer we stare at fire, the lower our blood pressure and the lower our anxiety goes, right? There's something powerful about that, and we felt that as we've sat around the, the campfire with our, with our friends and our family. We know that Fire is beneficial in, uh, you know, in refining and purifying. So fire can be used for one of these, both of these different things. And if our words set the course of our life, right, we can set the course of our life with our words towards Jesus, following the path of the Lord, or we can set the course of our life towards ourselves, our evil desires, the way of the kingdom of God. Of darkness. It means that what we say about ourselves, what we declare over ourselves, what we think, the, the internal mantras that rumble around in our brains, these things really matter because they are setting the course of our life. When we say negative things, like, I'm an idiot. I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm, I'm ugly. Right? I'll never be able to lose weight. Um, you know, nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. Right? We put these things out and we almost speak them into existence. Right? They become these self-fulfilling prophecies. As we declare negativity, I believe almost magnetically we draw negativity into our lives. But in the same way, as we practice positivity, as we declare positive things, we draw those into our lives. We begin to see those things as our reality. When we declare, I'm loved. Right? Even better, I am loved by God. I've been chosen for such a time as this. I'm not an accident. God adores me. I am an overcomer. I'm a new creation, right? All these amazing promises of God, we declare them and they become our reality. They become the foundation. They become the path upon which we walk that leads us to godliness and leads us into right relationship with Jesus. They lead us more and more into abundant life. And so we want to be declaring positive things and especially declaring the promises of God. I encourage you, if you don't know what promises to declare over yourself, just Google promises of God or Bible promises. And there are hundreds of amazing scriptures that we can declare over ourselves. Right? We see a couple right here in James, in James 1.5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Right? If you, you can say, I'm not wise Right? I'm not smart enough. I don't know how to follow Jesus well. But this promise says, just ask him. And he is excited to give that to you. Declare that God has made me wise. God has given me his wisdom. Or maybe you feel stuck in sin. It's just You know what you want to do, but you stumble and you just keep doing stuff that doesn't uh, align with who you want to be. 
Well, James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That is a promise. God promises as you draw close to him, as you resist the devil, he will flee. That sin, that temptation, that lie of the enemy is not stronger than the God where you find yourself. He is with you and for you. So pay attention to what you say about yourself, out loud and internally. And so not only do our words shape our own lives, not only do our words direct the course of our life, right? they shape other people. Right? Uh, our words are like seeds sown into a field, and whatever it is that we sow is what we're going to uh, we're going to grow, what we're going to eventually harvest. And so when we think about our words, and what James leads us to, to think here in chapter three is, what am I sowing into the world? What am I sowing into the world? I believe we have just two options. We can sow kingdom seeds, kingdom of God's seeds, or we can sow kingdom of darkness seeds. And everything we say is going to be one of the two. Jesus warns that every idle word that comes out of our mouth is going to be accounted for. Every idle word. So when you are sitting in your living room with your spouse or with your kids, and you just say something without thinking about it, that matters. Because you're speaking something powerful into your sphere of influence, into your world, into your kids, into your spouse. And so we go, okay, well, okay, Mark, that's great, but how do I know if I'm speaking a kingdom of God word or a kingdom of darkness word? It really comes down to our motivation, right? What is our heart? The kingdom of, of darkness, the enemy is constantly trying to bring these kinds of things into our world. Selfishness, pride, anger, hatred, division, sexual immorality, uh, racism, mockery, and shame. All these things are sin and darkness. And when we sow these things or we uh, sow things that are motivated by these ways of the enemy, we reap those things. Right? And so if we're saying something that is true, but it's wrapped up in selfishness and pride and division, right? it's, it's no good. It's corrupted. It's like sowing weeds and wheat into the same field. Right? Eventually, the, the whole thing has to be plowed up and started over again. But when we sow kingdom seeds, they're filled with grace and kindness and hope, joy, love, humility, and honor. Let me do a quick, uh, what do we call this? Example. I don't know. I don't do this very much. I should probably do it more. Okay, so say our bread, our bread, this bread that I have in my hand, our words. Our words are this bread. And we are going to, to give this bread 
to, to somebody. But like I said, right, there's no middle ground. We're either going to sow seeds of the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the enemy. And so these, this bread is our words, right? And we think that when we are sowing with the kingdom, whatever this truth is, we're going to uh, mix it with honey, right? We're going to, to mix it with grace and with love and with joy. And as we pour the, the honey on the bread, right, it goes down easy. It's tasty and it's sweet and we enjoy it, right? Honey is good. But when we sow the kingdom of darkness, we can even say the same thing. But if we are covering it with bleach, it's toxic and broken and killed. And so what are we going to do? How are we going to cover our words? With the grace of the kingdom of God? Or with the shame and the foolishness of the kingdom of the enemy? Somehow, Jesus was able to, to hang out with sinners and tax collectors and, and prostitutes all the time. We see it uh, throughout the, the Gospels. Right? We see it in Luke 19 when he is at the house of Zacchaeus. Not just a tax collector, but the chief tax collector. Everybody in town hated this guy. Right? And yet Jesus was able to hang out with these kind of people and to communicate the truth of God in a way that didn't make them want to chase him out of their house or kill him. He used those kind of words with other people, and uh, you know the, the Pharisees did eventually want to, to, to kill him. But the, we see these sinners, these broken people in desperate need of the kingdom of God. God, Jesus sits with them and somehow is able to communicate the kingdom to them. And I wonder... You know, I don't know exactly how he did this, but I think he probably used words that were mixed with honey. Words that were mixed with love and honor and peace. I bet Jesus knew when to be quiet. He knew when to, to sit back and not say anything. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who, who wrote this letter, right? he would have spent a lot of time with Jesus, maybe when they were growing up, and maybe he recognized this, uh, this way that Jesus interacted with people. And maybe that is why James wrote this in chapter 1, verse 9. He says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Sometimes it's better just to be quiet and to think about our words and recognize that, hey, I'm going to say something and it is either going to sow kingdom of goodness or kingdom of darkness. And it's better to, to wait and think instead of just babbling on. We don't have an edit button in our lives. We absolutely need to speak the truth. But we need to do it in a kingdom way. Because I think so often truth without grace is as much a tool of the enemy as flat out lies. We need to cover our words with grace. So we have two paths that we get to travel. 
There we go. We have two paths that we can travel, the path of Jesus or the path of desire. We can't walk on both. We've said this every week. If you try to be on both paths, James says that you are double-minded and unstable in everything that you do. He ends this section in, in verse 11. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? No. Like we have two paths. We have two things. There's no neutral ground. We're either running after Jesus or we're running the opposite direction. As we are all holding something incredibly powerful, our tongue, our words, they create reality. They bring the kingdom. And so let's commit our tongues to the Lord. And when we are in doubt, let's be quiet. Let us be quick to listen and slow to speak. Let us allow our words to be full of grace and covered with honey. But here's the problem. I, this is a pretty good motivational message. Just try harder. Use your tongue better. But Paul or James says something very important in verse 8. No human being can tame the tongue. Well, that's bad news, right? Like, we've got a problem then. Because we can't do it on our own. And we've probably seen it in our own lives, and we've seen it in the lives of those around us. No human being can tame the tongue. He starts out by saying, if somebody could, they would be perfect in all their ways. But the good news is that Jesus has broken the power of sin and death. Even the, 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 the fiery hell that is our tongue, Jesus has sanctified through his life, his death, and his resurrection. He's broken that, uh, the power of the tongue. Or he's renewed, he's revived the power of the tongue so that we can bring good things. Jesus has given us new life. He's given us the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us, who empowers us to control our tongue as we submit ourselves to King Jesus, as we bend our knee to him and we say, not my will, Jesus, but yours be done. So if you guys are watching today and you have a tongue problem, and according to James and according to our own experience, we all do, Right? We need to do something. We need to give it to Jesus. We need to repent and allow him to come in and have control of our tongue. As we turn to, to Jesus, as we wait in his presence, we are transformed and empowered by him. Let us make it a practice to do this. Let us make it a practice to, to live circumspectly, paying attention to what we are saying. And if you're here, well, if you're watching and you have never bent your knee to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, as King, well, this is the best day to do it. He's not mad at you. He's not angry. He's not waiting for you to, to fix your life. He is standing with arms open wide, waiting to receive you. He loves you just the way you are. But the good news is that he loves you way too much to allow you to stay in that place. He wants to bring you into the, the place of abundant life, 
that starts right now as we step into the kingdom of heaven. And we do that by repenting of our sins and giving our lives to him. So if you uh, would, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, just pray with me, would you? Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I confess that I have been the Lord of my own life. Lord, I repent for that. I repent for not giving you the honor that you deserve. And I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. Help me today to follow you with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my strength, with all of my soul, with everything that I am. I declare that you are the king of my life. And if you prayed that with me, then welcome to the family. And I would love to, to follow up with you. You can email me at mark at newdaycommunity.org. I would love to, to meet with you and help you walk this out. You can uh, private message me on Facebook, whatever works for you. Get a hold of me. I would love to walk this out with you because this is the best decision that you can make. This is how we step into fullness of life, peace and joy and love. We are set free from sin and brokenness. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Excited about next week gathering together as a church once more. You can be here at, at 10 o'clock, and we can't wait to see you. Of course, as Israel said, we'll be live streaming. So if you're not comfortable gathering together, you're not going to miss out on anything. But we look forward to regathering, and we look forward to continuing to declare the goodness of God to practice the way of Jesus in our lives, in our families, and in our communities so that more and more people can come to know him as their Lord and their Savior. Amen. All right, well, bless you. We'll see you guys next week.